That was officially a rant. <laughs> Breathe. Oh my God, his face is so red right now. It feels red. It feels flushed. You you like are so worked up about this. Oh my God. I warned you. I said this was a provocative conversation. Oh. This is Our Daily Red, a podcast during which we drink a bottle of red wine. Red, red wine. <laughs> we talk about something interesting that we've read today. Stay close to me. And we get into a provocative conversation that hopefully doesn't blow up our marriage. I don't remember the third part of that song. <laughs> That's Ashley. And he is Barker. And the kids are in bed. Yes. So what are we drinking? All right. This is a household favorite. It's the one that we splurge on uh, when we're feeling so inclined. This is Lemelson Vineyard. It's a 2021 Thea's selection. Thea's selection. Thea. 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 T-H-E-A. Apostrophe S. Yeah. It's another Pinot Noir from Willamette Valley. We've got a little thing going here. Uh, this is, um, Lemelson is based out of Carlton, but what is nice about this wine is it pulls fruit from various vineyards they have across Northern Oregon. So you get a really nice compilation of the various AVAs and, um, terroirs that they procure their fruit from. So it's pretty cool. I love it. I, I think this is great. We, again, we get this at our local PCC. Um, and this is a winery that really focuses on organic uh, organic farming. And they've actually been recognized by Oregon Tilth for a long, long time, which is like is legit. Like Oregon Tilth is kind of the And maybe not everybody knows what PCC legacy. is, but here it's just the people's co-op something. People's community co-op. co-op? I don't know. It's just a grocery store. There's a chain of grocery stores, but they operate as a co-op, which means you can buy into it for 60 bucks or whatever it is. And then you get a percentage back every year of what you spent there. But your, uh, we'll say somewhat conservative mother likes to call it the people's communist market or comment, whatever. It's just a grocery store. I mean, this is the same set of parents who didn't let me play soccer because they thought it was a socialist sport. Well, it's really funny because I didn't know anything about soccer my entire life until we moved to uh, Germany at age 40-something, and now I'm a big foosball fan. So I don't, is, that, is that disappointing to your parents that we are a big foosball family now? I kind of think it is. Mm. Um, but on the wine, so as you can, as anyone listening can tell, I'm still fighting this damn cold. Uh, what is it day nine i'll tell you what i'm gonna i'm gonna Uh, cut you off because that's boring but i'm gonna tell you because i also have like the sniffly nose and the gravelly throat it's actually a shame that we record this podcast after you know 8 p.m 9 p.m when the kids are asleep my dream was to record a podcast in the morning after a heavy night of whiskey (laughs) drinking that's true because that's when i have the like undercover spy sexy voice and you may remember there was one time i was on a southwest flight i had been on a business trip how can i forget you tell this story i think every 15 days well that means i will probably Uh. tell it every four podcasts which is great get ready get ready talk about message penetration holy moly i had a big night i had a big night i got on like a 7 a.m early southwest flight I sat down next to a woman and she was being pleasant and I was trying not to vomit. I had a lot of whiskey the night before and she was so enamored with my my voice, my next day morning whiskey hungover voice. She was like, you should be in radio. Your voice just is so... Oh, did I forget the detail of the story? That woman was blind. Here's the deal, though. If she's blind, she probably had heightened senses, and she could probably just smell that whiskey reeking out of every pore of your body. I believe that. I believe that's probably true. That poor lady. 
But for having to smell that. <laughs> to be clear i I agree i I agree i agree that being said she seemed very sincere in complimenting my voice and i think you might agree we are not at 7 a.m the night after a whiskey bender we are at after bedtime for the kids on a weeknight drinking a red i have not tasted this i'm gonna go ahead and do that okay what what do you think so again we're we're to the oregon pinot noirs we are an oregon pinot noir family what do you think so it's a really light body, but it's got a really pretty dark color. So it kind of speaks to just the nature of Oregon wines where it's really light, super loamy. Um, you get you can imagine you're out on the side of a creek bed, like loamy mushrooms, stones, as I would say, kind of that mossy vibe to it. But there's still some brightness to it. There's some flavor. It's very delicate. It's sophisticated. I just I I think this is such a nice Pinot Noir, particularly one that you can just get at the grocery store. And um, they've got some really high priced wines on their website. So obviously we're not, you know, they consider this their cuvee, uh, which is cool that they sell at such a you know, like a mid price. Uh, it's a little bit pricey for a supermarket shelf, but I think it, again, what it's was like it? on the shelf, it was thirty five ninety nine at the communist grocery store. Yeah. Okay. But um, I think it's it's worth it. It's just it's it's so pretty. It's just a really pretty wine. It still has some tannins that like along the side of the tongue, but they disappear really really quickly, which is uh, something I know that you you like. Not a type of tannin that will stick on your tongue and like linger for a long time yeah um, yeah pretty uh pretty balanced i i don't know that i would call it what i think of a classic oregon pinot i'm not sure if i tasted it without knowing where it was from if i would call it an oregon pinot uh i'm with you on that one because it is a little I don't know how to describe it. I mean, so the tasty notes definitely go into plum fruit. Definitely outline black cherry, black currant, plum fruit, but then with hints of black tea, chocolate, mushroom, and lavender. And I definitely think you get that herbaceousness off of the fruit. Let's let it uh, age a little bit in the glass, and then we can talk about it in a minute. Yeah. All right. Pray tell me, have you read anything of note today? Is that a thing you want to say? Pray tell me. Is that is that your like little catchphrase thing? Pray tell me. No. Pray tell. Hey, babe, did you read anything today? Is that is that better? Is that is that what you wanted? Real talk. <laughs> this is or, or I could again I could devolve into. I'm listening. Enlighten me. Yeah. Ooh, enlighten me. That's yours. Oh, is it? That was yours. Yeah, you came up with that. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I do not feel that I have read anything up. You know what? You go. Yeah. I so so oddly enough, I came prepared because I've not been on Zoom calls. However, I was on a call this morning. Um a a woman who is a senior in college at a university in the Southeast. I won't give too much detail. She found me on the Kappa Alpha Theta um, like website. It's called Theta Connect. I had forgotten I even put a thing up there. And before I met you, I never even knew what Kappa Alpha Theta was, but it is a Greek uh, sorority, college sorority. It was the first Greek letter fraternity known among women. It was well, founded on January 27th, 1870 at... DePaul University by four young ladies. I can give their names too if you want, if that's helpful. Do you want to like divulge the secret handshake over the air here? No. Or no? No? No, I'm not going to do that. Is there a secret handshake? Yes. I'm trying to even remember what it is. Because <laughs> <laughs> nope. I've been in like, I mean, that's... Uh, it. You know, so I was in a sorority in college. Before that, I was a Job's daughter from, I think, throughout high school. And Job's daughter. No, Job's daughter no, no, is another that. is another women's, young woman's organization 
that has like a membership exclusivity secret society kind of flavor to it in order to be a job's daughter you have to be related to a mason i mean almost anyone who's a white american can probably trace some ancestral background to uh, a mason particularly if you're protestant um but I, my mom was in it. My sister and I were in it. So I, Dan some, Brown, Da Vinci Code, they were in I it. I mean, I do love, I mean, I love all those <laughs> conspiracy theory stuff because I like, I love it. I have my grandfather's Masonic handbook up on a shelf here. I'm like still too afraid to open it up because it's still so off limits for me, even though it's, it's a completely irrational feeling to have. But I just, I still have so much respect for the ritual and for mystery. And I just love, you know, religion and metaphysics and secret societies. It's what I wrote my, you know, my senior thesis on was, you know, secret religious societies. But I will tell you, as time has gone by, you know, when you ask me about the handshake, I'm like, well, which one was the Job's daughter secret handshake versus the Theta secret hand? You know, like, because there's... So, there's well, so let, me, let me ask you this. There's so this, similarities, and now I'm, like, not keeping it all straight. So, so this, many secret societies. This young... Kappa Alpha Theta graduate? Graduate? No, she's a college No, uh, she's in senior. college. Okay, so this college oh, junior? senior. Senior, junior. I don't remember. College gal. Yeah. When you got on the phone with her, did you have to say any code words or keywords? No. Okay. We did not. What I... You just accepted that she was who she said she was and that you were who you said you were and she said... You're a theta. She connected th- to me through the Theta Connect website. And, that, and that's enough? Yeah. Also, okay. she knew the right acronyms. So. Okay, so there were some words. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> Can you tell them to me? I, I yeah, I mean I I this is hilarious. So uh in email correspondence, you and this isn't like a required ritual, it's just part of the culture. It's something that happens over time. Okay. You sign emails. Theta, love, and mine. M-I-N-E? Yeah. Theta, love, and M-I-N-E. Mine. Yeah. And theta, love, and and mine. What does that mean? It means I, you know, I'm giving love to you as a sister, and I'm I'm giving giving love to you as me as a person. I'm giving you theta, love. I'm also giving you my love. Yes. But what happens is it becomes an acronym, T-L-A-M. Yeah, as and all so, things do. Yeah, and so she was signed at TLAM, and I was like, oh my God, I haven't seen a TLAM in forever. But like, see, it just now is we like, all know that. Now we all know that. So I could, I'm going to catfish you. I'm going to come up with a persona, and then I'm going to write the email, and you're going to get all teary eyed like you are just now. Just That's because I have a cold, <laughs> <laughs> not because I'm teary eyed. So I derailed you, your story. Yes. A young college uh, student called you for, uh, you said mentorship? Yeah, she's looking for advice. She's going to be entering, she'd like to be entering the PR industry. Why? Why? Yeah. That's a great question. I didn't actually ask her why she's interested in it. We kind of just talked about the mechanisms. I mean, it's interesting too. She had super basic questions. Not basic in that, like, whoa, you're so informed, but it was questions that I was. I thought, yeah, in what world is are these questions answered or or even crystal clear? Because she says, you know, communications is this seems like it's this catch all word that people use. Can you describe to me the different roles people can have within communications? So she's getting a real good education wherever she's going to university. College? Well, Community she's, college? she's taking like, no, she's at a private four-year university that's recognized, it's a famous research college. Um, and she's taking a business degree and I, you know, kind of makes me think like, well, shit, should I be a communications professor somewhere? Because I feel like how many people with real world PR experience are going into the classrooms and, you know, lecturing for students. But... It was really nice just to clarify some of my thoughts on that and be able to have that conversation with her. But I'm going to I'm going to bring this back to the podcast and what we read. And I know this is a topic that's very provocative in our household. So the New York Times ran a story 
in its magazine in in September. So this is we, we missed it. Yeah, a few weeks ago. Americans are losing have kind of lost faith in the value of the university system. And what does that mean for the economy? What does that mean for, you know, future innovation? What is college what does a college degree actually give us? Debt. It gives us debt. That's what it gives us. It gives us debt. Yes. Come on. I mean, what what is a university these days but a status symbol? Like you go to Harvard to say you have a Harvard degree. It's like buying a like a like a like a like a AirPods. I got the I got the the $529 AirPods just to say I have them. It's a status symbol. It's not it's not a real education anymore. I I mean, honestly, prove to me that those kids actually got a quality education or did they just go and get $400,000 in debt to have that name associated with their brand that's what it is okay wait are you railing against elite universities or just the four-year college experience in general so what if you went to to sacramento state to become to get your nursing degree or you got a degree in like forensic psychology. When I went to school, which wasn't that long ago, I went to school. I had a $5,000 Pell Grant. I worked in a restaurant. And with my cash tips, I was able to pay my tuition. The Pell Grant cost uh, covered books and whatever else I needed. Like yeah. Mainly covered books. And I, a year later, I had no debt. None. None. That was a time when elite universities, that we call them today, I went to the University of California, used to admit a good chunk of people. I wasn't even a great student. I wasn't even a great student. I had, I looked at my transcript recently. I had like a 2.7 something GPA. But I got a degree from the University of California and I hardly paid anything for it. Now we're talking just 20 years later and acceptance rates at some schools, Berkeley, UCLA, are less than one in 10 of people who apply there. And when they do apply there, they're signing on if they're, gonna, if they're not living at home or, or they're signing on for $100,000 in, in, in just debt played a year, a year. So... You know, $400,000 a year just to have that name associated with you? Is is the education any better than it was 20 years ago? No. I mean, I... Population's growing. The number of people who are um, wanting to go to, to four-year schools, qualified to go to four-year schools is increasing. Look, I can't speak to a Harvard. I can't speak to an... Uh, a Yale, they're private institutions. Fuck them. Do whatever they want. Even though, I I, I think, it, but the University of California, why? Why can only a certain X number of people go there each year, and why aren't they increasing their enrollment commensurate to the population, commensurate to the number of people who want to go there? Why aren't they opening up way more classes? I mean. The idea that this is a university, go to, go to, go to UCSD, where I went, University of California at San Diego. Go to the University of California at San Diego. Look at that sprawling campus. Look how lively it is for four hours a day. And look how sleepy it is for the rest of the time. You're telling me there aren't people who'd want to go there for night classes? You aren't telling me there aren't other professors or who would want to teach there? Like That's a huge public investment a huge public asset and the fact that they're finite and they're limiting and they're happy to limit why are they happy to limit their enrollment because it puts them up in the u.s news and world report rankings and it makes them elite i think i think ucsd is uh the number tied for the number two public university in the it's up it's up there who gives a shit if nobody can get in okay 
That was officially a rant. <laughs> Breathe. Oh my God. His face is so red right now. It feels red. It feels flush. You you like are so flushed. worked up about this. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> Smell the flowers. <laughs> Blow out the candle. I've warned you. I said this was a provocative conversation. Oh. And it's it's crazy because you and I had such diametrically opposed college experiences. I wouldn't say opposed. I, would I think say, so. I, first of all, I was in a you, sorority. You lived at home with your parents. The things that you found in university life, I did not engage in. But it's not diametrically opposed. It's just I did not engage in those things that you found valuable. That's all. Yeah. I mean, I... I also didn't have debt. I know. It was... Speaking of which, I like totally thought I had paid off my loans. And now I'm getting all these emails from the Fed being like, you have to pay it off. I'm like, what? It's got to be some kind of residual like 80 bucks or... I I don't even know. I don't understand. I got to check into it. But... Um, here I am almost 40 years old and I'm getting emails about loan repayments, which for a what degree again? A history degree. Ooh, that's valuable. That's something that's paying dividends. I have a very different opinion from you on this one because I mean, I do agree with you that these university campuses shouldn't be so sleepy that if they've got these open lecture halls, they should be allowing part-time student access. Like people should be able to have the opportunities to take night classes or remedial classes or whatever, like from the University of California. Like well, the cl- those the- hybrid learning experiences should 100% be available to people. The question, it's not just like that little nut and bolt of like, hey, could you utilize your classrooms at night when they're dark? The question is, what's the role of a university? Is it to give all Americans opportunity or is it to be a gatekeeper? Is it to be a gatekeeper and say, nope, 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 only 9% of you get in and the rest of you fuck off. You are now, 9% now you're elite and you have this name attached to you for the rest of your life and you're in a a fraternity. Sorry to to link this to the fraternity world. But like now you're in this brotherhood (laughs) of, you know, we can all afford uh, Tesla's and, and you can't. What's the role of the university? And in the United States, it should have been, it used to be, to give anybody an opportunity to realize their full potential. I mean, we just moved back from Germany where essentially you take a test when you're in fourth grade and they determine essentially what your job is going to be in fourth grade. Which I hate. I well, just, this is, I, like, and this is no the version I, of that. Yeah. The college admissions is a version of that. Oh, I disagree. It's No, it's eight years later, but it's a version of uh, eight year. Yeah. It's eight years later, but it's a version of that. Let's get back on track. Why don't you tell me what, whatever you read, what did it say? So, you know, it kind of talks about the, What was it? Where, where was it? What was it? Was, it? it was the New York Times Magazine. And then they did an interview with the author on The Daily. And, you know, they kind of talked through the history of, you know, the American dream being, you know, when the when the guys came back from World War II, they all got the GI Bill to go back to college. And that really became a part of the American dream. You go to college, you have a degree, you go and get a white collar job and you're going to make a lot of money where you can afford a house and a car and your wife doesn't have to work and, you know, and it, it's a, it was enough, right? It was enough to guarantee a middle class lifestyle because the public schools weren't bad. The neighborhoods were good. The Eisenhower administration was investing all kinds of money in infrastructure. Like, you know, it, it was fine. And then over time, universities became something great. Like the baby boomers really evolved it into what we saw in the free speech movement. And they became these hotbeds where you saw political activism and social unrest and questioning authority. And then and then it kind of like, you know, it tapered. Wait, I'm not connecting the dots. I'm not connecting the dots there. So because there was a boom in college education, it 
created a boom in free speech and liberal thinking. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it was just the baby boomers came together in the beatnik industry or the beatnik genre culture was is was really kind of in those little college towns. And so that's where you started to see the formulation of a lot of these ideas and even um what's the dude that the the guy who who said everybody should be taking LSD? Timothy Leary. Timothy Leary. Mm. I mean, he was a college professor. You know, like the the colleges became more than just this guarantee of a middle class lifestyle. It became a place where ideas were exchanged, and you know, kids became adults, and it really kind of and they weren't before that. I thought they I thought that what they were like. Well, but I mean, remember they were restricted to a very elite few. Yes, they were restricted to a very elite few. And then with the baby baby boomers, you had systems like the college state or the California State University system and the UC system just crazy expand in the late 60s and 70s to accommodate all these boomers who were expected to like their parents or at least their fathers to go off to college and get these degrees. So it became this, you know, hotbed of activity. And then you, you kind of saw that. 70s and 80s, I mean, everything kind of like chilled out a little bit during the 80s. And then the 90s, coming back to it, started to kind of ramp up again. These colleges that became places where children became adults. That you, they left that, they left high school, they left their sheltered families, they left their sheltered lifestyles, and they went off to college. And that's where they experimented and became part of fraternities and sororities and and so it kind of talks about like the evolution of that and then as well as the changing political views of the ivory tower of college because then once you started to get into the Bush administration and I can speak for myself on this during the W Bush administration I had all these super liberal professors who I mean I remember I had this geology professor who was talking about mollusks and he somehow found a way to criticize George W. Bush's administration and the war in Iraq. But but here's you do appreciate your college experience for that, which is you said a coming of age, like leaving home, um, you know, being on your own, the formative experiences you had. I'm thinking of college more from a societal good economic benefit point of view, which is at some point in history, kids didn't used to go to school. They used to work on the farm, right? And then at some yeah. point we said, no, 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 no. You need X number of years of school. Today, it's criminal if you don't send your kids to school. You'll, 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 CPS will come if you don't yeah. send your kid to school. We say, no, no, no. Your kid needs to be in school from age five or six or whatever it is to uh, 18 or high school. 16. You need to go to school for a certain number of years. And if you are not, why? Why? Because we know that an educated um, generation is better for our economy. It's better for yeah. productivity and feeling a part of a community. And fueling innovation and being on the cu- on cutting edge technologies. And... Technology has advanced. Our economy has advanced such that a high school education is no longer good enough. You Mm. need an advanced education. You need uh, to become an engineer or a coder or a nurse or whatever it is. And these things are are post high school. So my question is, if we say you need to be in school as a kindergartner uh, or, or we'll send you to jail if you don't send your kid to school as a kindergartner, don't. Young people need to be in school from 19, 20, 21 if we want to have a productive economy, if we want to be producing people who are making the next innovation. And if that's the case, if that's the case, uh, because we've offshored all of the blue collar work, we've offshored all of the manufacturing jobs, we've, we, we don't Not pay. Not all of them. Yeah, but they don't pay well here anymore. So you can't have a good American lifestyle if you're just bending metal in a factory somewhere. Okay, but you have to remember there's a lot of people who work in the supply chain industry in the U.S. And they don't make 
a, a comfortable they, 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 they don't they can't afford to uh, buy a house and have you know a car and and and, and three kids with that wage on a, a one wage uh, for one no it's, it's not it's not it's not what it was so the point is if we want to do that the way to do that is through wildly expanding enrollment in colleges and i'm not saying the harvards and the stanfords i'm saying uh california state university northridge or the well, university of I, michigan like, i mean i love that people are now focusing on community colleges and you see these massive donors giving funding to community college programs. Uh, I mean, I, I know my alma mater, UC Davis, a couple of months ago, they were advertising, they were saying like X percentage of incoming students into their medical school had come from community colleges. So they're definitely starting to look that you can have these super qualified, highly talented candidates for postgraduate work come from the community college system. And I think that it is criminal. There should be more funding that's there. And I think community college, in my view, really is where kids should be at home with their parents if they're not ready to actually leave the house. But that's, I guess, where I differ. You say there should be more funding there. There is more funding there. Most of these universities, even public universities, are sitting on mountains of money. I get solicitations twice, three times a month from my school, a public school, a state school, to give because they have profiled me. They know how much I make. And like they're like, yeah. hey, could you give to the alumni fund or whatever it is? For what? For what? There's the state sponsors that university. They're sitting on mountains of money. They're just not using it to expand access. They want to be exclusive. A, a Berkeley is proud of the fact that it's really fucking hard to get into Berkeley. It shouldn't be hard to get into Berkeley. Any Californian who who works hard like, should be able to get into Berkeley. It shouldn't be elite. Yeah. Berkeley should not be Harvard. Berkeley is a uni- University of California state run institution paid for by taxpayers and apparently a bunch of wealthy alumni who endow the place they should they should expand they should spend 10x uh that that should be their mission how do we get more how do we get more california kids in here and how do we get more california kids reaching their potential and being productive not how do we reach higher on the U.S. News and World Report rankings. You know what I've noticed is we're talking a lot about the California college system, which you and I are both, uh, uh, you know, products of, which I totally get. Yeah, it's what we know. But we haven't lived there. We haven't lived in the state for almost 10 years at this point. I think that I probably, I it kind of motivates me just to understand a little bit more of the college experience in the state of Washington, where we live. Like, I, there's obviously UW in Seattle, huge. That's a big, big university. You have Wazoo out in eastern Washington, big university. That's where you go if you don't get into UW. <laughs> then you've got UPS down in Tacoma. You've got, I never remember the one that's up in Bellingham. Western Washington Western University. Western Washington but like those are kind of the big school. I mean, obviously then you then you start getting to really small private universities like Seattle University. I think Pacific Lutheran is That's up one, here. Yeah, That's a yeah. Thing, yeah. I think there's some small, you know, co- you know, liberal arts schools out throughout the state. But like, I mean, I'm with you. It's, it's there's not a ton of access for people. And what I've actually noticed here more often than not is that you'll have the UW satellite campuses. So you'll see U- UW Bothell, UW Tacoma. There might be one in Olympia. I'm not really remembering. But then that's kind of where you, that almost might be the preferred model in which you're talking about where you have it's almost like a UC San Diego satellite campus where you have people who are like, I just want to do some night classes or I work during the day. I'm super interested in taking, you know, a history course or a horticulture course 
but I'm not committing full time to being a student right now. I just want to get enough credits to do something with it. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe that's the preferred model, but anyways, all this is to say is I know you feel so strongly about the four year college program here. And I would say that my experience, I I mean, I just, I loved it. I loved being in college. I loved being in a sorority. I loved going to classes. Most classes, not all classes. I don't know. I just, I loved it. I just had a great experience and I highly value, like, I don't think, I could not put a dollar figure on the value I place onto my college experience. Your parents could. No, they could not. They could put a dollar figure on it. And I think that's kind of the thing. You hit a sweet spot whereby you hit a sweet spot whereby it wasn't that exorbitant when you went to school and your parents could swing it. But I'm thinking about our girls and we're looking at like maybe eight years from now, maybe, uh, you know, there's no way there's no and and we're not middle your parents are school teachers and they could still swing it we are not school teachers we make like 4x what school teachers make but there's no way we could send our kids to a a, a high level four-year university uh without some sort of crazy scholarship and that that's that's a broken system yeah it's a broken system um, and so, I, I mean, I think one of the reasons why I'm sour on the whole institution is selfish. It's because I don't have to pay for it or figure out how to pay for it or saddle my kid with having to pay for it in the decades ahead. And, and then you ask the question and, and, and again, you didn't really get to the premise of the, the article you, you read. Well, but you I, cut me off, but I, I get it. I was being long winded. That's that's. Good. I assume it was this. I assume it was this. What's the value proposition? It's going to be cost me this much money, and yeah. is it going to be worth that much to me? And I'll tell you the truth: for the majority of people, and especially the majority of males, it's not. Go fucking learn how to be a plumber, and you can work for yourself, and you can make one hundred thirty grand a year, and with that, with no school debt, go do that. I mean, I I would. Absolutely. If I was 18 years old right now, I would absolutely be considering which trade do I want. Do I want to be a a carpenter? Do I want to be a plumber? No fucking way would I go to a university looking at even a smaller school, 30 grand a year in debt, you know, 50 grand a year in debt for what I was interested in, mass communications. Uh, not happening. I wouldn't do it. I would not, I would not advise anybody to do it. No way. No way. And, and, and regardless of the fraternite and the, you know, um, the coming of age, uh, and, you know, dorms and debauchery, like I did all that stuff. I, 21 years old, I moved to New York city. I did that stuff. I did that because I didn't have any debt and I could that's why I was able to move to New York City is because I could live off of a dollar fifty a day for two hot dogs and a fruit juice at Grace Papaya. I don't remember the guy's name who founded Grace Papaya. He died in the recent months, and uh, God rest his soul because he got me through my job search in New York City when I was going to restaurant to restaurant to restaurant trying to find a busboy job, and I was broke, and. I think I lived for a few weeks off most of the time off of two shitty hot dogs and a tropical juice from Grace Papaya. Thank you, Mr. Grace Papaya, whatever your name was. <laughs> I mean, do you disagree with me? I, I know you had your experience, and that's great. And I would not denigrate your college experience. It was formative to you. It was great. Separate out all the other variables of like cost, blah, 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 blah. Would you disagree with me about the current state of like elitism and cost benefit analysis of going to a traditional four year college? 
because I know what you want for your girls is a experience of making friends yeah. and living on their own. You want that. And a but, safe place for it. But do you, well, colleges, okay, that's a whole other conversation yeah, I know. whether colleges are a safe yeah, place. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so we'll put that aside. Yeah. But aside from the whole cost and what juice do you get from that squeeze? Like, do you disagree with me that you actually, at this, this, this day and age, you're not going to get out of it what you put into it? Except if you have one of those marquee names. I, I know. I mean, I'm with you because it's a rational argument. I'm not wrong. I, I don't think you're wrong. It's just it's so hard because it's hard for me to separate my own so such a positive experience. And I truly value my college education. Like, I, I, I got a lot out of it. Now, does everybody get a lot out of their college experience? Do they have a positive and safe space? Do they feel like they made money from it? No. But I, I do think I did. I mean, I, I, I think that being a history major, which I know you poo-poo on, I think it's actually given me some really competitive skills. I think it's given me an edge, particularly in the... in in the business world. And I, I don't, I don't regret that degree for a minute. I'm not shitting on a history degree. I'm shitting on a history degree, degree that today might cost you two or 400 grand. Yes. I look, and that's where I agree with you. I think it is overpriced. I think it is outrageously competitive. I think it is so much harder to get into colleges today than it was years ago. And I, hope that by the time our 10-year-old decides to go to college that the system has balanced out and that there is a middle path forward that she's proud of that we're excited for and it's not going to put us all in financial ruin. All right, so I'm going to have to say right now that the uh Lemelson Pino has tamed yeah uh no tannins and now I'm just drinking it down. It's so smooth. Yeah. It's silky smooth. Silky tannins is how they describe it. Yeah. After being open for about an hour. Yeah. Uh, silky tan. I, I agree. Silky I tannins. Agree. It's really nice. It's like that thing that happens when you read the tasting notes and you, you taste the wine. You have no fucking idea what it tastes like. You're like, oh, it tastes like wine. And then you read the tasting notes. You're like, almond and anise and a little bit of smoke and silky tannins you're like yeah yeah i get all that yeah mm-hmm, yep <laughs> good You've amped me get up. your motor running wow i've got some like boomer music tunes stuck in my head all day every day well tell me something that's positive uh that you're looking forward to well, you know, last time we talked, actually, the, the last two times we, we talked, I was waiting for a new desk to arrive. It finally did, and it is as junky as the reviews online uh, made it out to be. But did I assemble it better than all the other reviewers online? Yes, I did. You and that spite building. Yes, I spite builded. Built. <laughs> you spite built. I built with spite two versions of this desk and here's the deal i really like sculpting a place if i'm going to spend a lot of time in a day at a space i love architecting it just so putting that desk just there what colors there what's within reach uh decluttering what do i put on the wall what am i looking at what's my environment and still a work in progress but new workstation Pretty damn happy with it so far. So I'm really excited that I have uh, built a new workspace. If I'm going to spend a lot of time there every day, I want it to feel good. I want it to feel like me, make it feel productive. Well, and I would say the best feature of the office space 
is you and all of your new cute outfits. I do love them. You finally have upgraded. So cute. Upgraded? I'm yeah. Not upgraded. I'm not wearing suits and ties. Babe, those white shirts that you have worn as your uniform for the last one, two, three, five years, they were they were a little frayed. They were a little dingy. They look like maybe they had shrunk a little bit in the dryer. You, you hear? Did you hear that? Did you hear that voice? She wasn't saying the shirts had shrunk. She was saying that I had grown into the shirt. The shirts—they didn't fit that way when you bought them originally. So it must be the shirt has gotten smaller. Oh, so you must have washed them a few times. No, nope, I don't do your fucking laundry anymore since you complain about me shrinking your clothes. <laughs> Jerk. So you admit that you do shrink clothes. I, I, a few sweaters have gone to the laundry gods. <laughs> We've had to do a little memorial service for those sweaters. Um, speaking of which, the thing that I'm looking forward to this week is I have my monthly city cemetery board meeting. On Thursday. No, connect the dots for me. Sweater. Said memorial service to a sweater. Thinking about memorial services. Funerals. Cemetery. Cemetery board. So the sweater went to the sweater gods. Whose gods do people go to when they're buried in the ground? Cemetery. Cemetery board. You. Got it. Yep. 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 So um, I am a mayoral and city council appointed board member for the city-owned cemetery in our town. Which I think is is unique. It's very unique. I don't think that most cities have municipal-run cemeteries. They're usually privately owned and managed. And I also think it's unique in that most individuals don't have a fascination with cemeteries. I love it. I love cemeteries. <laughs> I love cemeteries. Uh, yeah, in 2019, I became a board member. And even when we moved to Germany, I, you know, I kind of just put it, I was a little sabbatical. And then as soon as I was back, I was doing the monthly meetings. And my upcoming meeting is Thursday. And what's interesting about that meeting is that there might be an election for new officers. Meaning the president of the board? Yes. Could you be the president of the board of dead people? Possibly. Do you want to be the president of the no. board so of the woman who's been people? doing it has been doing a great job. So I'll Okay, then, then stay on the horse. What what is that thing? Like don't why why trade horses yeah. in the middle of the stream? I think the only the only way there would be a turnover is if she wanted to relinquish that role. She clearly does. Who wants to do that job? Well, I would. I love. I, I mean, I, I like. I they offered. They wanted me to take it before we moved to Germany. How many years? And don't be prejudiced or give away anything. How many years? Oh, another boomer song. Jeez, <laughs> living rent free. Roughly estimate estimate how many years younger than the average age on that board you are. That was a. Poorly constructed sentence. Yeah. That was awful. I'm going to say the majority of the board members, I'm being generous here, saying late 60s to mid 80s. So you are. So I'm almost at 30, 30 years. To 40 years younger than everybody else on that board. Yeah. Because they're contemplating death. Yeah. And you're just morbid. Hey, I wanna I wanna be a service to the community. I, I like really I do. I mean, I it, it just happens to be a topic that I love, which is great. But for me, I you know I did it because I I wanted to be civically engaged, and um, I love our little community, and I love being able to help out on it. And if being on the cemetery board is the thing that Launches your political career. Launches my political career. I mean, it could be Ashley, uh, you know, 2032 for president. 
where did it all start, uh, President Ashley? Well, back in the early 2020s, I was called to service in the cemetery board of my local town. Next thing you know... I'm a champion for everybody, dead or alive. Um, <laughs> that That's like, that's your rant about colleges is about my rant about boomers. Ooh, cliffhanger next time. Maybe. That'll be something we can look forward to. In fact, that's actually a history conversation I'd love to hear. It's like, boomers, good, bad, ugly, otherwise, what were they? What's their role? Why won't they just all die? I think that's so controversial. And quite frankly, I'm relying on my parents to fly up and take care of our kids the weekend before Thanksgiving. And I don't want them to listen to it and be like, uh, never mind. You're a monster. Bonus. Boomers don't know how to listen to podcasts. I think my, I think, I don't, well, I would say my dad liked the Instagram account. Speaking of which, if you're a viewer, listener, viewer, listener. <laughs> If you're reading the transcript. If you're viewing this right now, creepy as fuck, we're calling you're, the cops. If you're reading the transcript, you are obviously phoning it in. That's lame. If you're reading this on a transcript, you're done. Um, I think what Ashley is trying to say is that if you've made it this far into the podcast, yes. something in here clearly resonated with you. Maybe just you like the two of us. I don't know. But... Please. That's what Angela said. She said she's I'm biased, and I said that's what I'm banking on, bias. Bias. If you've made it this far in the podcast, something in here clearly resonated with you, and you should share it with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Send some stars our way, and Ashley will tell you how many stars. Five, five well, golden stars that's the answer you can also reach out to us at our daily red pod at gmail.com and you can spell that however you want our daily red r-e-a-d-r-e-d our daily red pod at gmail.com or apparently on instagram yeah where i don't exist so talk socials so we've got a we've got an instagram account where i will be posting you know, resources, reference materials uh, for our podcast. Follow us there. Like us. Okay, genius. What's the handle on Instagram? It's You don't our, know, do you? It is. You don't know. It is. I do, I do too know. <sighs> Ew. It's our, not our, our. H-O-U-R. It's the hour. <laughs> Honestly, yes, that's what it sounds like to me. So, our daily red. So, O U R daily red. R E A D pod P O D. And we're on um, the Instagram. I'm not doing the Facebook thing. Threads might come. We don't have an X account. Anti Zuck. But that's how we're promoting this wow. Instagram. You wow. can't be a hypocrite about it. I'm not we're a hypocrite. literally going to be promoting this thing that we're doing on the Zuckerberg owned channels. I think we're good. All right. All right. Good night. Good night, baby. I love you. <laughs>